Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro. It is an honor and privilege to share this time with you. We love studying the scriptures and feel they are central to our preaching, teaching, and living of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Our mission here is to grow disciples of Jesus Christ who know him, love him, and serve him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. It is our prayer that God would use our preaching and teaching to do exactly that. If you have questions, thoughts, ideas, or just want to talk a little bit more about what you've heard today, we love to hear from you. Most of all, know that you are in our prayers as we listen together. Now, let's dive in. Well, again, good morning. My name is Chrislyn Durham. If I have not met you yet, I would love to meet you. Know that several weeks ago, we began a sermon series about our Wesleyan heritage called From Wesley Today, Unearthing Our Theological Heritage for a Vibrant Future. Believe it or not, that name was actually a lot longer before Danielle got a hold of it. It is in this series where we have talked about the journey as Methodists through salvation, which is God's response and offer of love to our humanity in the midst of our brokenness and sin that exists within the world. Salvation, in the words of Professor Richard Heitzenrader, is not a momentary event, but involves a process of restoration and becoming holy, of cultivating the love of God in such a way as to draw closer to the goal of having the mind of Christ. As one moves through this process, we find it necessary to recognize the need of faith through every step of the way. Faith in its simple form is defined in Hebrews as being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we cannot see. Or defined by John Wesley, a divine supernatural evidence or conviction of things not seen, not discoverable by our bodily senses as being either past, future, or spiritual. We found last week that faith is not there to scare you into becoming a Christian. It's not there to shame you, nor is it there to be a comfort or to just be a comfort in the difficult moments of life. It is an encouragement to live into those words and examples of Jesus, recognizing that the road is not easy, that even in our own brokenness and humanity, we still strive to be made whole, having one's life transformed by the one in whom we put our trust and confidence. This brings us this morning to where we continue our journey or process of salvation with the question, how are we justified through faith? At this time, I'd invite you to hear these words from Romans 10, 5 through 10. Moses writes concerning the righteousness that comes from the law that the person who does these things will live by them. 
But the righteousness that comes from faith says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you on your lips and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart and so is justified, and one confesses with the mouth and so is saved. The scripture says, no one who believes in him will be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of God for the people of God, and so we say, thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy and loving God, we are here. We pray that over these next few minutes that you might speak a word to us today. Clear our minds and our hearts so that we may be open. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, I was able to get away to celebrate my 36th birthday. Nick and I went to Connecticut to see some friends for a long weekend. We explored several smaller towns around their home, but on Sunday, we wanted to visit one of the larger ones near them. There were several we could choose from that were within driving distance. Providence, Rhode Island, New York City, Hartford, Connecticut. But we settled on the one that I had been to for a short time, but quickly knew that I wanted to come back. We went to Boston, Massachusetts. It was about a four-hour drive from their house, and we decided to take the hop-on, hop-off trolley all day long, which if you've never done a hop-on, hop-off trolley, it was the best way to see a city. You don't have to walk near as much as you would have. We were there from about 10.30 a.m. to about 4.30 p.m. We were all over that city. My phone tells me that we walked six miles that day, and it was a great introduction to a city that I know that I will return to. But as we walked the last leg of the day through this beautiful park on the way back to the parking garage where our car was, I kept thinking about the day, how it started to how it ended. I replayed in my mind the moments that are now wonderful memories, the funny things that the trolley driver said, the way that the trolley driver spoke. There are moments that I don't feel like I have much of a Southern accent, but when I am there, I realize just how much of an accent I have. I recalled the places that we visited and the significance, either personal or historical. But the thing that got me the most is how each moment was a journey to get there. And I don't just mean to physically get there. Yes, that was a journey. I mean the ways in which each of those places intersected my life at that very moment. 
I saw places that meant something to someone I love who is now gone. I saw places that have to do with the creation of this country. I visited and ate at a place where everyone knows your name, and that was inspired by a television show that taught me early on about hospitality. Every part of that trip was a part of my story. When we talk about salvation, justification, and faith, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about how it is a journey that we are on. Often people compare it to a race because Paul did. But in our Methodism, we created a method, a movement from one space to another. And at the heart of that movement is grace. The undeserved, unmerited, and loving action of God in human existence through the ever-present Holy Spirit. In the words of retired Bishop Kenneth Carter, Grace is not a gift that God packages and bestows on us and creation. Grace is God's presence to create, heal, forgive, reconcile, and transform human hearts, communities, and the entire creation. Wherever God is present, there is grace. One of the beautiful things about the United Methodist Church is our understanding, and I would even say journey, of grace. Provenient grace is where we begin. And it's defined as the divine love that surrounds all humanity and precedes any and all of our conscious impulses. Meaning that it is with us in the very beginning and stays with us until the, we recognize ourselves becoming awakened and longing for repentance. The moment when we turn towards God, away from our sinful nature, and to faith. Ultimately, it is this grace that prevents the total destruction of the divine image within us that is talked about in Genesis 2. It is the beginning of the journey of faith where we acknowledge the human condition in each of us and our need for the grace of God. Provenient grace sets the stage for justifying grace, which is where the question resides today. How are we justified through faith? In our scripture this morning, it tells us that we are justified by the belief in our hearts confessing with our lips and is made available to all persons. Justification in its purest form is another word for pardon. It is marked by a very real change of the heart. It is important to note that it is only possible by an act of God, as it is not as much about us, but more about what God has done for us. God recognizes the truth of what he has done through Christ, giving us a place so that we can come to God time and again when we fail to live into who God has called us to be. Now, many call this moment in justifying grace a conversion experience. I want to be careful here 
Because often when we talk about the come to Jesus moment, we only talk about this big moment when someone who once did something bad meets Jesus and then becomes good. And that's wonderful and so very important. But hear me say, if God came to you in a different way or even in a gradual way, know that God comes to us in a variety of ways. For John Wesley, he described it as my heart was strangely warmed. See, justification is a moment of reconciliation and realignment with God where forgiveness is asked and assured that it is received. It is also a moment where faith can be described as faith working in love. One might ask if this moment in our salvation experience really only happens once. The reality is, in our own humanity, we find that we have this really great God moment, and then we turn around and do something untowards to another. My response to that question are words that someone once said. Many believe that it was John Wesley, but I have yet to find proof, so I won't give it to him just yet. But their response is, I am being saved every day, meaning at least once a day, I'm having to turn towards God and away from sin. This leads us to sanctifying grace. This is the continuing work of the Holy Spirit in the life of all who respond. It is a grace that draws us towards wholeness, which Wesley describes as having a heart filled with the love of God and the love of our neighbors. Loving God for Wesley implied loving our neighbors. Furthermore, the love God placed in a life will always naturally bring you to love one another. It is in this sanctifying grace that we find the desire to tell the world about our experience. To, in many ways, be the feet that bring good news as spoken in Isaiah. A word that can embody this understanding is the word evangelism. Now, you can ask anyone who knows me how I feel about this word. It is one of my least favorite words because it triggers a lot of memories within me that cause me to go to a place of shame and guilt. Because that word for me often came with the phrase, if you were to die today, where would you go? It was often used in my context as a fear tactic, though I don't believe that it was done on purpose. Truth be told, I don't respond well to those anyway. I'm learning, though, that evangelism is much more than that. It's not about converting to someone to our doctrine or even saving people. Frankly, saving people isn't our job. That is the job for God. That is between God and another human being. All evangelism requires of us, in the words of Mary Beth Anton, is to live as Jesus calls us to live, with love, with honesty, with humility. I have seen that play out in a number of ways over my life. But one of the memories that sticks out to me is from October 2017. 
I went with the disaster relief team to Panama City Beach after Hurricane Michael, the strongest hurricane on record to make landfall in the Florida Panhandle. There was a lot of devastation all along the coast. I joined about six men, most of which I had never met before. The leader, Paul Givens from St. Mark's, William, who is just one of the most wonderful individuals, and our very own Charles Roberts, who goes to traditional worship, and several others. We spent several days getting up early at 5 a.m., which if you know me, that's a little too early for me. We would get breakfast at the Waffle House on our way into town. And then we would be cutting down trees from till about 4 to 5 p.m. that day. It was probably some of the hardest work that I have ever done in my life. But in my time with them, they taught me something. Sometimes evangelism doesn't have to be the dirty word that causes triggers. Sometimes it could mean not saying anything about Jesus other than them seeing the name of our church on the truck. Sometimes it's about getting dirty and moving limbs and trunks using chainsaws and bobcats. Sometimes it's about providing a meal for your neighbor because they are having a hard time. Sometimes it's about stopping what you're doing, even though the work is important, to share life with another, listening and engaging. You don't always have to share the good news of Jesus by knocking on doors or even by saying a word beyond, how can I help? Sometimes evangelism is telling the story of your salvation and faith by simply being his hands and feet. May we all continue to turn our eyes toward Jesus, the perfecter of our faith, receiving that grace that is freely offered and knowing that we are not alone, but that God meets us wherever it is that we are. In the name of the creator, redeemer, and sustainer, may the people of God say, amen.